Patchwork Heart Ministry is committed to sowing hope into broken hearts by helping young people encounter the love of Jesus Christ and His Catholic Church through prayer, storytelling, and media initiatives. We invite you to prayerfully consider supporting this mission financially. Mail your tax-deductible donation to Patchwork Heart Ministry at P.O. Box 563, Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, zip code 53147. Or visit patchworkheart.org to donate online. That's Patchwork Heart Ministry, P.O. Box 563, Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, 53147. Or online at patchworkheart.org. Welcome to the Sewing Hope Podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend Anne DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us. Good evening. This is Anne DeSantis here with the Sewing Hope Podcast at Patchwork Heart Ministry YouTube. Great to be here with all of you, our listeners. And this evening, it will just be me as the host, as Bill Snyder is not able to make it this evening. So we make a shout out to him on this day. And I have an amazing guest for all of you. Uh, I have Father Michael Zimmerman, and I would like to read you his bio. Father Michael Zimmerman was ordained to the priesthood in 2017 and currently serves as Assistant Vocation Director for the Archdiocese of Boston and Adjunct Scripture Professor at St. John's Seminary. With the heart of a teacher, Father Michael was inspired to create a systematic discernment program for young men drawing from the wisdom that he received as part of his own formation. During the pandemic lockdown in May 2020, Father Michael scripted 27 episodes, which are now part of a video series called Shivias, filmed in a way that captures many of Father Michael's own interests, such as rock climbing, track and field, art, drawing, and of course, the city of Boston. Father Michael hopes others can identify with his journey and recognize how pursuing God's plan for their lives will fulfill their greatest desires. Now, I know that you also do this series with another priest, Father Eric Caden, uh, Father, but let's first welcome you. Thank you so much for joining us on the Sewing Hope podcast. Thank you, Anne. It's great joy to be with you all here and for all the listeners as well. Absolutely, yes. And I must say that Boston is one of my favorite areas. I remember my, my family and I visited Boston. It was some years ago, but we, we had a beautiful tour there. It was called, I think it was called the Freedom Tour. Uh, yeah, Freedom this, Tour, Freedom Trail. The Freedom yep, Tour. It. Yeah, it was amazing. And, uh, and I just love this city. And, and thank you for the wonderful work that you're doing and for your priesthood, the gift of your priesthood and for the work that you did last year during the pandemic with the Shivius video series. So tell us, uh, what does the Shivius video series is? What is it exactly? And what makes it unique? Right. No, thank you, Ann. Um, I know we're going to get along very well, you know, <laughs> your love for Boston. That, that, mm -hmm. that goes a long way. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so the Shivius video series, uh, you know, you, you read a great description there and what it's what it's all about. Um, and the goal of which it, it's a, it's short videos there, you know, each video is just about five minutes in length, um, and intended to provide a guide for somebody who is questioning their vocation. You know, what is God's plan for their life? What are they, um, what, what are they supposed to do with their life and tries to yeah guide them through that process of how does one even think about, how does one even approach this question? And so doing it so in a way that is beautiful and attractive, that gives helpful advice, but also um, I, prov I provide examples from my own story, my own discernment as well. So it makes it concrete, uh, but 27 episodes in length um, and, but short, very accessible uh, videos that are enjoyable to watch. Yeah, I love the YouTube channel and I have had a chance to watch it and love the series. And I, I just love the way that it's presented with the, with a little bit of music and then with you talking and beautiful visuals, but mostly it's very invi invitational mm -hmm. to people who are not really sure what God's plan is for their lives. And, you know, isn't that what vocation is all about is 
hearing the call of God, because each of us has a mission, don't we? Mm -hmm. Don't we each yeah, have think, a mission? I think a lot of us, uh, the, the question of vocation, the word vocation can be very scary. You know, I'm the vocations director or assistant vocation director. And um, sometimes that can be like intimidating to people. You know, I introduce myself uh, as the assistant vocations director. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh no, what's this person going to try to make me do? Are they going to try to make me become a priest? I don't know if I want that. And it, so that raises a lot of like fears and questions and concerns about vocation, which actually paradoxically can very, be very helpful for one trying to grow in this universal vocation we have to holiness. You know, we're all called to be saints. We're all called to follow God. And so maybe the questions and fears we have about vocation actually can draw us deeper into being a saint and to following God and learning to trust him. And so a big goal for me in this is, yes, to help men who are discerning the priesthood, but I think there's a lot of things that are relevant in the series for everyone of just how coming to know themselves better, their own heart, their fears, and their desires, and learning how to entrust those to God. Um, and it's, that's something I think we all uh, need to grow. And so hopefully it is accessible and invitational for, for others as well. Yeah, I can't say enough good. And if, for people who are listening to this podcast, please do subscribe to their YouTube channel. It's called Vocations Boston, if I'm correct. Yep. And, and, and just Google the, the Archdiocese of Boston and their vocations, because, you know, we all know somebody, I think, especially if you're Catholic and you're really celebrating your faith, we can all think of someone that we know, maybe a young man who's still in school and, and who has a, a very deep faith. And from what I understand, when we say to someone, hey, you know, have you ever considered the priesthood, whoever you are? I mean, it, it can't hurt, right? Doesn't mm -hmm. mean that they have to follow what we say, but at least we're recognizing something in them, some kind of a virtue or a quality that we see that could make up for a very good priest. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, for a lot of, a lot of times, you know, God speaks through, through us and people can hear an invitation uh, to consider a vocation through the words of somebody else. Um, I think sometimes, so I think it, it, it is helpful. I think sometimes people hear that um, and they do feel challenged by it and maybe back away, you know, eventually God will get them, you know, in the end <laughs> to consider it. But, um, you know, for a lot of young men or women, you know, maybe they're the only one going to daily mass in their parish. Uh, which can be a sign of a vocation, uh, or at least, you know, great interest to, for holiness and desire for God. Um, and so if the, I mean, if the first thing they hear from somebody is, oh, you should become a priest, you know, um, that might not be the best introduction, right. uh, you know, because yeah. it's kind of like, you don't know me, like, mm -hmm. <laughs> you don't know who I am and what I want. And so I think uh, being uh, like, you know, in, in our faith communities in general, um, we do need to build up community and like a strong community uh, is what leads to people following their vocations more authentically. Um, and so I think, you know, if there's somebody that you're thinking like, oh, they could be a great priest, um, but you've never like gotten to know them, you know, that's probably a good place to start is be like, hey, let's grab coffee sometime and just like get to know what's in their heart, their desires. And then maybe from there, you can say like, you know, I see you as you're an inspiration for me. Like, I think you're a good person, a holy person. I see you here praying. Like, um, have you ever thought about being a priest? And at that point, you know, they might feel more heard and understood and way more open to, to a suggestion rather than it kind of coming in like, Hey, you become a priest. And they're like, Whoa. Uh, <laughs> it, it sounds to me to be more natural. Um, what I was thinking was in terms of people that we're, we already have relationship with. Oh yeah. But yeah. if it's somebody no, that they've... you don't have a relationship with, yeah, you want to get to know somebody. But, first. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so going back to Shivius, and I want to spell that for people who are, who are listening to this podcast, it's spelled S C I V I A S. It's a Latin word uh, pronounced Shivius. I wanted to ask you, Father, where does the name come from and what inspired you to create this program? Yeah, great question. Um, so the name Shivias, as you said, is Latin um, and it means know the ways. Um, it, it comes from a work by St. Hildegard von Bingen, one of the four female doctors of the church. And 
the title of her work, the full name is Shivias Domini, Know the Ways of the Lord. And that's the subtitle of this series, Know the Ways of the Lord. Um, and we thought that was an appropriate name uh, just because it's like coming to discern God's plan, God's path for your life, you know, coming to know his ways uh, for you. Um, St. Hildegard was also an inspiration beyond just the name of the series, but she was, um, in addition to her writings, uh, she was also a great mystic, um, and she had visions that inspired artwork. Uh, she composed a lot of music, and actually, a lot of the music that we use is chants that she composed. Um, so that's a little Easter egg for you, kind of going on in the backgrounds. <laughs> it's it's a lot of her music, um, and so yeah, so she desires to you know lead people to Christ to teach the faith, but also to do it in a way that is like beautiful and inspiring. And that's what, you know, with this series, we, uh, we want to make it look good, you know, in terms of the visuals um, and the cinematography and the music, you know, so that uh, we see that our faith and following one's vocation is a beautiful thing. You know, it's an inspiring thing. It's a life-giving thing. Uh, it's incarnational we live it out in the flesh and that's part of why i tell my story of my discernment and we film it around different places around boston and the locations of which were are places oftentimes associated with my discernment or my faith journey um and so being able to show that like our faith is real it takes place in real life um involves real things and and it is beautiful as well hopefully that even if people aren't from boston you know, they can kind of be able to see that in their own lives too. Yes, I, I agree with you. I mean, here I'm down in Philadelphia, but I think it's a good vocational video for wherever you are. And, uh, and, and of course, it's also a great uh, way to help people to recognize your own archdiocese and, and consider mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Be becoming a priest um, in the Archdiocese of Boston. So moving on a little bit, um, so will this only benefit men discerning the priesthood or is there something for everyone in these videos? Yeah, great question. I, I, think, I think there's something for everyone. Um, the series is broken up into three parts, more or less of nine episodes. The last part really focuses on the priesthood in particular, like what does it mean to be a priest and to live that out. But the first two parts are more general. The first part is largely about coming to greater self-knowledge of, yeah, what are my fears? What are my desires? Um, my identity and learning how to place those things in Christ's hands. And then the second part leads to um, how to make a gift of myself. Um, so for these first two parts in particular, uh, the structure is based on um, actually the virtue of chastity in the catechism it talks about chastity as one involving integrity of self leading to two integrality of gift. Um, so, you know, we recognize like in love, I'm called to give myself completely, you know, uh, to something to it, whether that's in marriage, you know, to a spouse. Um, and in order to do that effectively, I have to ha be undivided within my own heart. You know, if I, you know, I'm trying to love my spouse, but I'm constantly lusting after and chasing after other people. Like that's a problem. Um, mm -hmm. and, and in order to have an undivided heart, that means having a certain self mastery and a self understanding. So that's why we, the first part of the series is like coming to know your own heart and, and coming to know yourself better in order to arrive at a certain level of integrity and self mastery. And that leading to make a gift of oneself with an undivided heart to whatever your vocation is. So in those first two parts of the series, the first 18 episodes, largely, um, that's, I would say that's applicable for anyone in any vocation. And then the third part of the series leading to how does being a priest, how does that fulfill my vocation, my desires, what, what God desires to give me? Mm, so beautiful. Yeah, it's a great invitation for people to connect there on the on your YouTube channel at Vocations Boston and take a look at the series. So on the topic of the organizing of the videos themselves, you did describe that. Um, 
Can you tell us more about the topics and how they how you organize them in terms of what was the first one, the second one, and then the rest of them? Yeah. Um, so the the first episode, and there's actually, um, I guess I cheated. I added like a pre introduction type thing as well. So there's more than 27 total, and there's a great mm -hmm. trailer to go with it, uh, which it was fun to do. Um, but the uh, the well, I guess I'll start with the introduction. Uh, the introduction is the, the story of St. Peter and his vocation and asking the question, like, when does St. Peter arrive at his vocation? When does he come to know what God, what Jesus has planned for him? And, uh, you know, it might seem like it's at the very beginning when Jesus calls him on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, come and follow me. But Jesus calls many people to follow him and to be his disciples. And so actually in the middle of the gospel, when Jesus is asking his apostles, uh, who do the crowd say that I am? And they say, oh, the crowd say, you know, uh, one of the prophets, um, you know, uh, Elijah, John the Baptist, etc. And he says, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter speaks up on behalf of the group. And he says, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And it's in that moment where Peter comes to know who Jesus is. And he, he confesses, you know, that he is Lord in a way he's like trusting Jesus and recognizing who he is that now he finally receives his vocation. Cause Jesus's response to him is like, blessed are you Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. And you're a Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church, you know? And so in that moment where Peter comes to know Jesus, he receives his own vocation. He becomes Peter. He becomes the rock of the church. And so I see that as a, a model for all of us in our vocations. It's our, our mission, what we're called to do with our life comes from our relationship with Christ and um, coming to know Jesus as Lord. And therefore, I come to discover who I am. And so throughout the series, hopefully it helps people come to know Jesus and to trust him um, and that he is trustworthy. And so in that way, being able to confess like Peter, you know, you're the Christ. And through that time, Jesus will reveal who we are and who we're called to be. Because ultimately, many times we're not ready to hear our vocation. Um, if God were to tell us, this is what you're called to do. Uh, we would be like, nope, <laughs> you know, I'm afraid. Are you sure? You know, um, and so I think God reveals our vocation to us when we're ready to hear it. And that means, you know, we've got work to do. We've got things to sort through. And so um, the first episode addresses like this question of um, desire. Like, do you really want to know what you're supposed to do with your life? You know, do you really want to know Christ? And so if that's not there, then like, why would God waste? Why would he tell us, <laughs> you know, like we've got to want to know it. Um, so starting from that place of desire um, and then recognizing like, okay, I might desire it, but maybe there's things I'm holding back or things I'm afraid of. And I'm afraid of bringing these things to Christ. So then we like look at um, three areas of like sense of self, like my identity, who I am, my hope of happiness. What do I think is going to make me happy? source of love? How do I feel loved? Um, and learning how to recognize, well, what are those in those three areas of life? What do I place my trust in? Where do I think I receive that? And learning how to put that in Christ's hands, recognizing like, okay, my, my hope of happiness, you know, ultimately that's got to be heaven. You know, my sense of identity, that's got to become as a, like a beloved son or daughter of God. Uh, my source of love, you know, it's like, it, it's got to come from God as well. And so like learning how to place these pillars in our life to rest upon the foundation that is Christ. Um, so that's, those are kind of some of the introductory topics of uh, exploring um, who I am and how that needs to come to the rest on, on Jesus. Thank you for saying that so well, because you're right. It all comes from that relationship with Christ and the calling that we all have that takes time, right? It's mm -hmm. not something that's an overnight thing, but that when we keep our eyes, ears, hearts, 
and the Holy Spirit close to us, then we can discern how God is speaking to each of us about these topics. Mm -hmm. um, and then moving on a little bit about the filming process for you, I wanted to ask you, what was that like? And another question I have is, do you have a, a blooper reel or any fun stories to share from your experience? Uh, yeah, great question. Yeah, the filming um, turned out to be way more work than I thought. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you have an idea and you think, oh, okay, this won't be so so bad or so much work. Um, but it's been a bit labor of love. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a great joy to do. Uh, the writing of the series, you know, that happened last year and really was just in the course of a couple of weeks, um, being able to sit down and just put it all on paper. Um, and so that was a, that was the easy part. Um, and then now the filming of it, um, in part, like, you know, starting to film, but then like, as we go realizing, oh, okay, we want to do it a little differently. And so needing to like refilm things like two or three times. Um, but it's been a joy for me to like revisit these places that were so instrumental to me and my vocation and discernment. Um, but the people who helped, um, you know, they've done a phenomenal job in the filming of it. Um, Kelsey Cronin, who's a friend of mine, she also works at Catholic TV. Um, and so she's been generous with her time in the filming of this. Uh, one, actually a focused missionary, John Gonzalez, who was at Boston University. Um, he helped with some filming, a seminarian, Mar Marcello Ferrari, he helped with some filming. Um, and so it's been like a kind of a tag team effort. Um, but, but yeah, a lot of fun, a lot of joy. Um, and hopefully people enjoy the, the finished product. As for funny stories, uh, there, I think uh, on camera, I wouldn't say I'm a natural by any stretch of the imagination. You know, what people see is like the effort of many takes <laughs> trying to have things come out well. Um, and so there, there, eventually there probably will be a blooper reel of me goofing up on camera. Uh, but just some funny stories from the filming, um, one of which uh, in, in, the, in the trailer, if you watch it, there's this really cool bridge in uh, Newton just outside of Boston. Um, it, and it's huge and it goes over the river. And um, so we got some shots of me like standing on the bridge. But at one point we're down below at the kind of by the river and we're on one side on one bank. And on the other side of the bank, uh, there's this woman kind of on this viewing dock um you know about 10 12 feet up and she's trying to clean it off but she slips and she falls off into the river slides down the bank a ways you know and so it wasn't like a huge fall but it was kind of a slow gradual fall down the bank into the river and we're kind of like starting to film and we're seeing this unfold on the other side you know and um so kelsey who was helping filming she she ran over to go help her. And I start like packing up the equipment and keeping an eye on her. If like, if I need to, I'll go swim across the river, you know, to try to help. Um, and it ends up, so we end up sitting with her and talking with her, making sure she's okay for like an hour and then driving her back to her place home. Cause she was just, you know, kind of in a bit of shock and unsteady at that point. Um, but in, in conversation with her, she, she explained, Oh, I'm a, she's Jewish. Um, and she was saying like, you know, I can see the, the headlines now in the news, you know, Jewish woman falls into river saved by Catholic priest, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so she had like a great sense of humor. Um, but it was kind of funny just to see, oh, you know, God had a plan, you know, he, we, we went out with the intention of filming and working that day, but God put us there for another reason. And so being able to be flexible uh, with that. Uh, yeah. And then Sounds like other, a lot of fun. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. We had a, we had a good time. We had a lot of fun. Um, and we another time we I was at this um, family's house. We we're celebrating, you know, kind of do the house blessing and mass for them. And um, their kids are very like excited about their chickens they have in the backyard. <laughs> um, and so I'm trying to do an interview, you know, kind of I'm talking on camera, and basically they like the kids are like, no, no, you have to like hold the chicken. And so we have this shot, it, it'll probably appear in a blooper reel where I'm like delivering the lines um, very seriously. And I'm, uh, and then slowly it pans down and you see, I'm like holding a chicken in my arms as I'm saying these things. So um, it was fun. It's just absurd, but it was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. What great memories because, you know, 
God is with us at all times, even in those funny times, right? I mean, and and you can see how the Holy Spirit was working to bring some joy to you in, oh, in the yeah. whole process of all of this. So another question I have is where can people go to access the videos and how will they be distributed? I know that they're on YouTube, but are there other places that people can access them? Yeah, so uh, our main way is definitely on our YouTube page, which, uh, as you said, is Vocations Boston. Um, the series is Shivyas. Um, the other place we're posting them is on our Facebook um, page, which is Vocations Boston. So they'll, they'll be coming out week by week. Um, we're a little over halfway through the series at this point. Um, and then on our website, vocationsboston.org, um, people can sign up for uh, updates. So, you know, they'll be notified when new videos come out, but also uh, a good reason to sign up there is we put together like a prayer reflection guidebook that accompany each episode uh, as a way to kind of go deeper in praying and reflecting because, yeah, the episodes are great. You know, they're, they're 10, you know, five minutes in length, they're five minutes in length, but, um, but the reflection uh, book kind of asks questions to go deeper and provide scripture passages to pray upon related to the topic in the video. So that's vocationsboston.org. And there's a, a, a list to sign up for those resources. Awesome. Yeah. You're doing amazing work. Is there anything else that you would want to share about this series? Because uh, during this podcast, this is a, a full hour podcast is we also love to talk about your own journey to the priesthood. I'd love to mm. talk to you about that too. But please, uh, if we can finish off talking about this for now, uh, anything else that you'd want to share that, that you'd like people to know about this series? Um, you know, I think um, in, in watching the series, it will kind of um, hopefully sell itself in a certain extent, you know, like it'll, people will be beneficial for them. And, you know, that's the real desire of this series. Um, you know, as a vocations director, people can kind of view it just as recruiting and trying to find more priests and okay. On terms of numbers, that's uh, that is a reality. You know, I do want more priests for our diocese, but more so than that, more important is like helping men and women to become great saints. And that means to do God's will, um, whatever that is. And so hopefully this series um, inspires and helps guide somebody in that process of like learning to trust God to desire to do his will and seeing like the joy and the beauty of that, of doing God's will and in that way, becoming a great saint. So hopefully that's a desire for each of us. And that's like a desire for myself in this series as well. Beautiful. Yeah. I I'm, I'm excited to explore it even more. I did look at some of the videos there on the page and subscribed, of course, and we'll spread the word too, to people that I know, and just an honor for us to have you on the Sewing Hope podcast. And usually it's with myself and co-host Bill Snyder, mm -hmm. but his wife had a baby not too, you know, in, in recent months and mm -hmm. life has been kind of busy for them. First child, uh, little baby, Elvin Francesco is his name. Yeah. yeah. And so we'll have to have you back again with both Bill and I next time. Oh, of course, with pleasure. Yeah. So let's talk about your early life journey. I would love for us to talk about that and your family life and sort of when did you feel that calling? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the my beginning of a like a feeling or recognizing a calling to the priesthood came came later. You know, for some men, they feel it from an early age. They're playing mass as a kid. You know, they uh, desire to be a priest very early on. Um, for myself, you know, I grew up in a Catholic family. Um, my mom's Catholic. My dad's um, um, grew up in a Protestant background, actually. Um, and, but I went to Catholic school, Sunday mass, but it wasn't something that was super important to me, you know, at the time, like, I guess I enjoyed it, um, to some extent, but I was kind of like, oh, I'll worry about God when I'm older and maybe closer to dying. It'll be more relevant then. Um, but when I was in high school, I went to a Catholic high school, all boys and, a bunch of my friends started to go to a youth group, a life teen program at a nearby parish, and they invited me to come along with them. Now, I, uh, um, again, I went to an all-boys Catholic school, and there were girls there, 
And my mom was going to make me go to mass anyway. And my friends were there. So mm -hmm. I went along, you know, mostly for social reasons at the start. Uh, but they were good people, you know, really loving. And, you know, I, I felt like I connected there. And with time began to experience the joys of like the sacraments. And especially one night in Eucharistic adoration with a Steubenville conference, Franciscan University does, um, really experiencing like God's love for me in the Eucharist. And that kind of putting a lot of doubts and questions out of my mind. Like, all right, if, if I'm experiencing this love, like, you know, God's got to be there behind it, you know, kind of making this uh, real. Um, and, and then just in the other sacraments, you know, confession and then being confirmed, like just experiencing God's love and grace in those sacraments kind of convinced me, okay, this is real. I want to see where this goes. And so getting much more involved in my faith. So that by the time I got to college, I was kind of seeking it out and looking for it and uh, got involved with the campus ministry there right away at, at Boston University. But the question of vocation, um, I guess the question perhaps began like senior year of high school when I was on a retreat and with the, with the youth group and they were posing the question like, what are you willing to offer God? What are you willing to give him? Um, and I was feeling like retreat high, pretty good at the time. Yeah, God's great, you know? And so whatever you want, Lord, whatever you want, I'm willing to give to you. And then the question kind of comes like, well, what about your future? You know, what about your girlfriend and your dating? And so it wasn't even like become a priest or it wasn't like, what about the <laughs> priesthood? It was more just like, what about these things that you said you, you're willing to give and offer up? Like, are you? And it was like, nope, <laughs> like, let's slow things down, God, you know, halt the pump the brakes. Um, and so I kind of ran away from that question and that offer. Um, but then freshman year of college at Boston University, there was a community of religious brothers called the Brotherhood of Hope. And getting to, to know them, to see their community life, their prayer, the work that they did um, in their ministry and uh, getting to see that, that they were good, normal, down to earth men and guys, you know, like I was like, you know, I could see myself doing this. This is a good life. I could see, see this as a good thing. Um, my girlfriend at the time that I now been dating three years, I'm not, um, I'm not good at lying, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and women, you know, sometimes I can intuit things. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I told her like, well, you know, I could see myself doing that. Um, and she was not too keen on that idea. So seeing how upset she was, I ran away from it. I'm like, I'm just making this up. This is my imagination. It's not real. Uh, but then the next year, sophomore year of college, the thought comes back. And this time it's uh, the, the, the priest who is the, our chaplain at BU. He was preaching on 1 Corinthians 7, where St. Paul says, this is not my commandment, but this is my recommendation. You know, for anyone who is able to remain celibate for the sake of the kingdom, you know, they should do so, you know, to have a heart um, and to be undivided for the Lord and their concerns. Um, and in hearing that, I was like, you know, at this point in my life, I think maybe I could do that. Like, you know, maybe I could be celibate um, if I needed to, you know, or was told to, <laughs> I've got mm -hmm. called me to. And so I met with one of the brothers and I, as I mentioned this to him, I'm like, what does that mean? Um, or with St. Paul's uh, letter. And he said, well, it kind of means what it says, <laughs> which is not what I wanted to hear. Um, but he was like, at the very least, you know, you should ask God, take it seriously and ask God if this is what he's inviting you to do. Um, if he's, he's calling you to this. So with, with his help, I began a more formal process of discernment of kind of really like three months, very intensive, um, beginning to pray a lot more and removing a lot of distractions, whether that's, uh, in terms of, um, uh, entertainment, you know, kind of like toning down the music and the videos and whatever else, um, to really kind of put this question of vocation, like at the center and really wanting to address it. And so a lot of the reflections and advice that he gave, uh, ends up in this series, uh, the Shivya series that we've been talking about. So, um, 
I guess hopefully if there's any consolation in the advice that I give is that uh, at least it worked for me <laughs> to, to find out what God was calling me to. And he so sure, yeah, so sharing those stories. Um, but during that time of, you know, prayer and reflection, beginning to see that I felt the most uh, joy in times of service and in, in the church. And I felt the most peace in times of prayer and just being with God. And I began to hear God calling me uh, inviting me to give myself to him in such a way that I wouldn't be able to give myself to a wife in the way she would deserve. Just like being one person and but in, in myself and recognizing like, oh, a wife has certain rights to a husband and children have certain rights to a father, but God's calling me to give myself completely in another way um, so that I, I couldn't do both, you know, without feeling divided in my heart. Um, and so in a way it was, discernment of of celibacy that was kind of like the beginning of my vocation the first realization even before I really understood I was called to the priesthood and that kind of came later but recognizing like God's calling me to give myself totally to him in this way and so with my girlfriend at the time now dating four plus years I was 20 years old so that's over 20% of your life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so this decision to break up was definitely the hardest decision of my life you know um, cause I definitely loved her and cared for her. And, um, but we realized anyway, like we were kind of growing apart. We were becoming different people. It wasn't really going to work out. Um, but this was definitely a catalyst in that. And so beginning to, um, and then experiencing, so it was a very difficult decision, but experiencing a lot of peace and consolation afterwards that, okay, this is right. This was God's will. But after that, there was like this sense of like, okay, um, I used to talk to my girlfriend on the phone for an hour every day, you know, with all my cares and concerns. And now what do I do with that? And beginning to see like, in times of prayer, just going to the Lord with those things every day, like this desire for relationship and intimacy, um, like God could, could fulfill that, you know, he could fulfill that desire. And in a way that became like the surest sign of my vocation of this desire for like love and relationship and intimacy that ultimately I began to see that only God could fulfill that. Um, even after this initial kind of discernment of celibacy to some extent, like, you know, I was in college still and um, like allowing myself to fall in love with different people, um, you know, and women at times and saying like, but recognizing after that period of like infatuation saying like, okay, they, they actually like can't really give me what I'm looking for, you know, what I'm really desiring. Um, because in a way, no human being can give that, um, this desire for this perfect love and intimacy that only God can truly know me and love me in this way that I desire. Um, so that became like the surest sign of my vocation. It was also the greatest challenge and temptation as well to think, well, well maybe this person can fulfill it, this concrete individual in front of me they can fulfill this desire. Um, so during yeah, my time in college, and then even after entering seminary, still wrestling with this question, but each time coming back and recognizing like, okay, God, I recognize only God can really fulfill what I'm looking for here. So that was like, really like the moving factor for me in pursuing a vocation uh, to religious life um, was this like, call and desire for like a celibate relationship with the Lord. And the priesthood actually came after that. Oh, wow. I love your story. I mean, I feel like I could listen to it again, just to, to really <laughs> delve in there a little more and ask some more questions, but thank you for sharing it because I, I'm sure that you've learned that every man that enters into the priesthood or religious life, they all have a story. All of us for that matter do but the story of how they were called. So I, th I think that's really incredible. And thank you so much for sharing. Now, I know you were, uh, you were ordained in 2017. So it's been uh, more than a few years now for you. What has it been like so mm -hmm. far? Now, I know you had a kind of an off year last year, but you used it for the better with the video series. What, where have you been so far in your priesthood? And what, what is your life like on a day-to-day -day basis? Great question. Um, where have I been so far? Um, yeah, the Lord, uh, 
life's an adventure, you know, when you follow God, I would say. Um, and the places I've been and the things that I've done, like I would never have imagined like from the start. Um, and so uh, God's plans, you know, are always bigger than what we can can imagine. So um, I, I did my theology. I, so after graduating uh, from Boston University, I entered seminary right away um, and did two years of pre-theology studying philosophy at St. John's Seminary in Brighton in, in Boston. And then I, w- I went to Rome to do my theology studies at the North American College and studied at the Gregorian University. And I specialized in uh, scripture and biblical studies while I was there. So right after I was ordained, 2017, um, I I spent the summer in a parish. And within that first month (laughs) as a priest, I pretty much did like everything (laughs) that a priest does. Um, So it was kind of like a full immersion experience, you could say. and it, it definitely was exhausting. You know, I'd, I'd never really been that kind of uh, tired uh, that I've been before. But, you know, I kind of became accustomed to the, to the work that a priest does and grew in strength with that. But just for, for an example, like, you know, this was in the first month of being a priest. I received a call to go to a hospital. And um, basically, there's this man in danger of dying. Um, you know, with kidney failure and other things going on. And, but he expresses his desire for baptism. He wasn't baptized. Um, so, you know, I, I baptize him. I give him all his, you know, his sacraments of initiation, confirmation in the Eucharist and do anointing of the sick. So it's like, you got a, you know, a sacramental grand slam. Um, and yeah. (laughs) And, uh, like the grace is present there. Um, we're just amazing. Like, you know, when God does the sacraments, it's like heaven opens up and grace just pours down. And, and just to be like privileged to be like witness and a part of that. So that um, besides for this man himself, like his um, roommate and a patient in the room with him was a Catholic who had fallen away from the church, you know, started going to a Protestant church for like 25 years. So he hadn't, you know, been to mass and Catholic church in like 25 years. Uh, but then after that, he wanted to go to confession. Uh, um, he, the nurse that was present there as well, she was a Catholic, but had never been confirmed. And after that, she's like, I want to get, get confirmed. Um, this man's girlfriend uh, who was present there as well. She was like, I want to get baptized, you know, like, so everyone there like saw the grace that was at work and was like, I want that. <laughs> oh, what, um, what a story. Yeah. That's beautiful. So, you know, and that's just like the first month of being a priest, you know, it continues after that. Um, and it's always shocked me just like, you know, hearing confessions again, like, you know, this happens regularly, like where, um, somebody comes into the confessional and they're like, you know, father, it's, I haven't been to confession like 50 years, you know, Mm, 60 years. Wow. (laughs) And, uh, they confess and, and it's amazing to me, like, all right, this person hasn't been, you know, in 50, 60 years, like, um, I'm not that old, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm 32 now. I was ordained at, uh, what, 28 or something at yeah, 28. And it's like, but from God's plan and his providence from all eternity, like he brought the two of us here together, you know, like God prov- wanted to provide and care for this person. Um, and in a way I planned this even before I was born. And just like, just marveling in that, you know, that fact. Um, And then also just like thinking like this moment, you know, this one moment um, makes it all worth it. Like if I do nothing else as a priest, you know, if my whole life is summed up in this one moment, like, and I do nothing else whatsoever, like it makes it all worth it. And seeing that, but then also seeing that happen all the time, you know, like that that happens (laughs) constantly. And so there is this, um, in the life of, as a priest and anyone, you know, doing God's will, um, and doing it like it, it's miraculous. It's, it's amazing adventure. And like, so those are the things that I guess really amaze me, um, in this journey. Um, 
I mean, so that was, again, that was like the first month of being a priest uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> after that, I guess, to fill in some of the details of the timeline. Um, so after that summer as a priest, I went back to Rome uh, to finish a license in biblical theology. So I spent one semester in Rome doing that. And I actually spent a semester in Jerusalem in the Holy Land, um, getting to study there. Um, and that was amazing. You know, my first year as a priest, um, all, like for the certain first feast days of the year, being to do it um, as a priest, you know, my first year as a priest in the Holy Land. So that meant like um, for Christmas, my, my family actually came over, my brother, my sister, my parents, and uh, we celebrated midnight mass in Bethlehem, you know, in the church of the nativity. So that's my first mat. My first Christmas mass as a priest is like with my family at the midnight mass in Bethlehem, you know, the site of Christ's birth. <laughs> oh. um, so that was amazing, <laughs> you know, and then it continues like throughout, um, throughout, um, you know, throughout Lent, getting to do the stations across each Friday on the Via Crucis in Jerusalem, uh, the, for the Feast of the Annunciation, going up to, uh, to Nazareth um, in the Church of the Annunciation and being able to like celebrate mass there. And uh, Pentecost uh, was my first anniversary as a priest um, and it fell on Pentecost Sunday and I got to celebrate mass in the, like the chapel of the upper room um, with like priests from all these other parts of the world. So it was like, you know, new Pentecost experience, like tongues. So it's, yeah, it's been ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> um, and I say like, I, I say tongue in cheek, you know, like, um, I, I, you know, I don't know if God loves you, but he definitely loves me. Uh, <laughs> I've been spoiled rotten. Uh, no, and, and God oh. loves each of us, you know, and, um, yeah, no, so that's been amazing. Uh, anyway, sorry, I've been going off on a tangent. Um, no, yeah. it's all beautiful. It's, it's, it's I, I, I'm, I'm getting to see you here on Zoom on video, but the finished product of our podcast is always audio. So I'm seeing this great big smile and the joy, but I'm sure the people that are listening can, can hear that in your voice mm-hmm. and how much you really do love being a priest. So it's very authentic for you. And yeah. I wondered it, you know, our podcast is called Sowing Hope and our tagline is that we're sowing hope into broken hearts. Mm. And we are kind of coming close to the end of the podcast in about seven minutes or so. But I wondered if you had any words that you could say, you know, we just went through a tough year last year and even part of this year. And some people have really struggled, I think, with being able to know how much God loves them because they, they've just had some struggles in all kinds of ways. Did you have anything that you wanted to address to those people before we end? Mm. Um, no, that the great question. And um, yeah, this, you know, the difficult year we've faced and um, maybe the despair we've experienced, um, you know, that's, that's a, that's a real thing, you know, that you're going through and um, to not like, hide from that, to not be ashamed of that experience and that, um, whether that's doubt, whether that's despair, whether that's fear, um, you know, I think sometimes when we pray in our relationship with God, we, we think how we have to be, or we should be like, oh, I should be, um, I should, I should be faithful. You know, I should be loving. I should be kind. Like I should say things that sound pious in prayer, you know? Um, but in reality, Reality, like God is with us where we are and we don't have to pretend to be somebody where else, but where we're going to find him is where we are. So like coming before him with a broken heart, with our sadness, with our doubts, as we are, like that's where God is going to be with, with us. Uh, I've recently been reading a, a great book by Father Walter Sizik, or Chizik. Um, he Leadeth Me, which is about his experiences of being in Russia and prisons and solitary confinement, you know, under communist Russia as a priest. And he said he went from those experiences led him to recognize less about like trying to find what God's will for him to do was in those situations, but beginning to see those situations as God's will for him and that God was present there with him in them. And it's not like he necessarily had to figure it out. Um, but recognizing that God is with us, he is present here 
and he has a plan. And um, it's not like, you know, my words are going to be enough for anyone, but it's rather like God himself. Um, and so like seeking him with our hearts, allowing ourselves to recognize we need him. And yeah, we are broken. Like he's the one who is our hope, you know, of consolation. He's the one who will give us joy. He's the one who our hearts desire. Um, and so, yeah, I guess my response is simply, yeah, to not be ashamed or afraid of how you're feeling in this, um, but simply allow yourself to be there and allow God to be there with you in that. Thank you so much for that. That That's good advice because when, when all is said and done, God loves each and every one of us so much and he desires relationship with us. And I think that what you're doing as vocation director, it all goes together with that, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Because vocation really is a calling of love and how we're going to love others. And so when you make that decision that God is calling you, if you're listening to this podcast right now, to possibly be a priest, think and pray about it and take it seriously. Because when you look at the life of someone like Father Michael Zimmerman, who shared so much with us during this hour, I think we can all learn so much about what God's desire is for each and every single one of us. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Sewing Hope podcast. I hope you can come back again. And next time, we'll hope, I hope that my co-host Bill Snyder can join us too. Did you have any final words before we end? Um, it's just been a great joy to be with you, Anne. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's been a great conversation and, um, you know, I'd love to be back at, at some point, but, um, yeah, just God bless to, to all the listeners. Um, just be saints, you know, uh, seek the Lord to do as well. Hopefully the Shivias video series helps you to do that from vocations, Boston, but, um, yeah, don't, um, don't be afraid to, to reach out, uh, whether to us or to, uh, to a vocation director in your diocese, because um, they, they desire to help you to do God's will and to be courageous um, and generous in doing so. Again, thank you so much, Father. And I, I would invite you to come back and invite everyone also to please don't forget to subscribe on YouTube to Vocations Boston and check out the Shivia's video series. So for my co-host that's not with me this evening, for Bill Snyder and I, and for Father Michael Zimmerman, God bless everyone, and we will see you next time on the Sewing Hope podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sewing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and andesantis.com. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at PWH Ministry or andesantis2. Did you enjoy this podcast? Listen to other podcasts from Patchwork Heart Ministry by following Patchwork Heart Radio wherever you listen to podcasts.